You are listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a show covering the hometown Milwaukee Brewers as we analyze the roster, report on the latest rumors, and discuss their quest to bring the World Series trophy to Milwaukee for the first time. Here are your hosts, Peter and David Go. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, Peter Go here for another episode as we enter into the 2022 year here, David. Uh, still a slow offseason as uh, we wait and kind of twiddle our thumbs for the players' union and the owners to figure things out prior to spring training. Hopefully they will. Um, and we'll have, I guess, a, I think we have a, at least a brief news update on that. But until then, we'll we'll construct our all-time Brewers roster. Actually finishing that up today, so that'll be fun. We've got a 25-man Brewers all-time roster will be revealing our last five, couple of the best Brewers of all time today that we'll be going over. And then we'll also have a fun time going over Brewers non-roster players um, that'll be going into spring training with a chance to potentially make the active roster either out of spring training or later on in the year. So we'll be uh, doing a draft. Uh, Dave and I will be competing, uh, selecting our players, and uh, we'll see who drafts a better team by the end of the year. So David, uh, any thoughts here before we jump in? Well, you mentioned there's a, a small update on the uh, front of the lockout currently going on. The two sides are scheduled to meet again soon. We're recording this Monday night, January 24th. Going to release it probably a, a few days after we record, but uh, they're scheduled to meet later this week. So hopefully some progress can come out of it. Haven't seen much progress so far uh, leading up to it, but uh, they are scheduled to meet and who knows if, if anything will come to fruition, but that is at least a good step. Uh, I think will be their second meeting, and they are still pretty far apart, is my understanding. So hopefully, with each each meeting, they can make a little bit more progress, and hopefully, hammer out a deal by at least about mid February enough for uh, spring training to happen and for the regular season to not be delayed. Absolutely, and that's that's what will really matter whether they you know are far apart now or close together. Reality is just whether they can get the deal done prior to spring training, which everybody's hoping for, the owners, the players, the fans, everybody. So, of course, we'll keep you updated on any news that we have on that front. So, David, let's jump into constructing our all-time Brewers roster. Uh, I'm going to be revealing our final uh, starting pitcher, I should say. We've got Ben Sheets, Teddy Higuera, Mike Caldwell, Jim Slayton, and now our fifth starting pitcher, um, who is, I'm sure, very familiar with all of you, Giovanni Gallardo. Gallardo was a second-round pick by the Brewers and debuted with the Brewers in 2007. So actually uh, came up the same year, of course, as Ryan Braun. Played with the Brewers from 2007 to 2014. Had a very solid career. All-star in 2010. He was a silver slugger. We'll, of course, remember his uh, offensive prowess as a pitcher. That was always fun to watch. He also had some very solid seasons. Uh, 2011, he had 17 wins, 3.52 ERA across 207 innings. A little bit of a different era still. But, you know, Gallardo put up between basically 180 um, to 200 and 207 innings for the Brewers from 2009 through 2014. So basically for five straight years, he was between 180 innings and 270, or excuse me, 207 innings pitched with an ERA in the mid to high threes, essentially, for all those years. So a very dependable guy, maybe just a step down below uh, an ace level, kind of a good, solid number two guy. Led the league in game, started in 2012, like I said, an all-star and silver slugger in 2010. Seventh uh, seventh in the – was it seventh in Cy Young? I know he got a vote at least. 
uh, or two in 2011 as well. Um, so definitely a very solid career from Giovanni Gallardo, uh, 22 wins above replacement um, with his seven or eight year run with the Brewers. Um, ended his career with Texas, Baltimore, and Seattle uh, before heading to Cincinnati and Texas back again in 2018 um, before retiring. So very solid career from him. Again, 307 games started uh, in his career, 121 wins and a 4.06 career ERA. He joins the Brewers as the number five starter on the all-time Brewers roster. Yeah, Giovanni Gallardo, actually the Brewers all-time strikeout leader with 1,226 atop that that leaderboard. Going to be heading to the bullpen with our next member of the team, Mr. Raleigh Fingers, one of just four Brewers to win the MVP. Uh, he won the MVP in 1981 as, alongside uh, the Cy Young Award, one of uh, only a couple players to win the MVP and Cy Young Award. And as a reliever, 28 saves that year, a 104 ERA and 78 innings in a strike-shortened year where they only played about 120 games. So he was, he was used a lot uh, in that closer's role. He would pitch multiple innings a game when they had a lead, and he was the best in baseball. He was dominant. 1982 had another solid year. 2.6 ERA, but had that shoulder injury that uh, ended up costing him the rest of his season uh, in mid-September and potentially costing the Brewers the World Series, losing in seven games, a blown lead by the bullpen in game seven especially uh, is what comes to mind to many Brewer fans. Uh, even, even some of the Cardinals players, I know, admit that the Brewers probably win that series with Raleigh Fingers, but he had a couple more years, 1.96 ERA, in 1984 until finally his age caught up to him in 85 in all four years with the Brewers, a two, five, four ERA finished with 97 saves. That's a, one of the top figures in Brewers history. Also interesting, only struck out seven batters per nine over the course of his career in contrast haters at about 14 and a half per nine, uh, just a different game. Didn't strike out as many guys. And he was even a pretty good uh, strikeout pitcher in his, in his heyday on the 70s and into the early 80s with the Brewers. Raleigh Fingers, a member of the Brewers bullpen here on our all-time team. Yeah, very fitting that Fingers is there. Of course, his number also retired by the Brewers. A tremendous career, Hall of Famer. Raleigh Fingers, of course, being in that Brewers bullpen. Uh, another very deserving player, also from that 82 era, is a very familiar uh, name for, I'm sure, all of you, Cecil Celester Cooper, uh, known as Cecil Cooper or Coop. Uh, the, of course, the Brewers left-handed first baseman in that 82 team. A very good career from Cooper. Started off his career in 71 with Boston before being acquired by the Brewers via trade for the 1977 season. He spent the next 11 years with Milwaukee, five-time All-Star, uh, several years in there, received uh, MVP votes as well. Um, almost 1,900 career games, 36 wins above replacement, a 298 career batting average, as a first baseman with, with good power as well, uh, 121 OPS plus and a 337 career on base percentage. Uh, of course, known for that 82 era um, where very many uh, famous famous uh, plays that I can even think of with Cooper, of course, the one with him uh, waving that single to drop into left field. Uh, he led all of baseball in RBIs with 122 and 126 in 1980 and 1983, also led uh, the league in doubles twice in his career. One of the best offensive players, I would say, in Brewers history and our starting first baseman, again, Cecil Cooper. Yeah, one of the more unheralded members of that roster, but 
over 200 hits in 1982, uh, something that people often overlook. And, yeah, 1980 hit 352 and led the league in RBIs and total bases. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good hitter if you ask me. Going to the outfield, our last outfield spot, one of our backups, and it's going to be somebody from a pretty underrepresented era, Jeff Jenkins. Uh, was the best player late 90s, early 2000s with the Brewers, made one all-star appearance in 2003 when he hit 296 and slugged 538, 28 bombs and almost 100 ribbies. He had an 11-year career, 10 of which were with the Brewers, hit 212 home runs, which I believe is in the top five uh, for all-time Brewers franchise leaders, 347 on-base percentage, and in 2008, won a World Series with the Phillies after they beat the Brewers in the NLDS uh, towards the end of his career. But a pretty accomplished career, one that goes a little bit under the radar in terms of Brewers franchise history, just because of the time he played in a, a very unsuccessful era and, and unfortunately left right before the Brewers found success. But I'll always remember I'll always going remember. to Miller Park and seeing Jenkins Jungle out in right field where he, uh, he roamed his position for a little bit in the early 2000s. And we're going to top off the roster with none other than the shortstop, Mr. Robin Yount, the greatest in franchise history. Played some short and center field during his time, made that transition in the second half of his career out to center field. But especially a look at his 1982 season, one of the best seasons by any major leaguer on the last 50 years. He hit 331, led the league in hits, led the league in doubles, led the league in slugging and OPS, and he was a gold glove shortstop. Uh, that is uh, a Hall of Famer in his prime. Came up at the age of 18 in 1974 and somehow still hit 250 with just one year in minor league ball under his belt. Played all 162 games in 1988 at age 32, which I think is very impressive given uh, the amount that he'd already played. Led the league in triples a couple times. Won two MVPs, one as a shortstop and one as a center fielder. Ended up becoming a very good defender out in center after he had that shoulder injury. And he retired as the greatest brewer in franchise history. Uh, only a three-time All-Star. Not really sure how that ended up happening. Not but happening, but um, Yount, of course, beloved as the greatest in Brewers franchise history, rounding out our roster as the starting shortstop. Yeah, very fitting that we have Yount in that last spot, of course. Like you said, the greatest of all time. Young actually led the majors in the 1980s decade um, with over 1,700 hits uh, from 1980 to 1989 and also led the majors in doubles over that span with 337. Like you said, no doubt, no question, the best of all time uh, for the Brewers. And that rounds out the Brewers' all-time roster. Uh, it's been fun to, to go through this. Uh, let's break down the roster here one last time. Again, our starting rotation, Ben Sheets, Teddy Higuera, Mike Caldwell, Jim Slayton, and today's edition, Giovanni Gallardo. In the bullpen, we've got Josh Hader closing, Dan Plezak, Raleigh Fingers, Jeremy Jeffress, John Axford. Catching, Jonathan Lucroy and Ted Simmons. First base, Cecil Cooper. Second base, Jim Gantner. We got Yount at short, Paul Molitor at third, George Scott, and Jeff Cirillo as backup infielders. And then we've got Ryan Braun, Gorman Thomas, and Christian Yelich in the outfield with Jeff Jenkins and Carlos Gomez in reserve. Prince Fielder, our DH, um, in lieu of the Brewers' time in the American League and potentially universal DH. We'll see whether that passes as well. And then, of course, our manager of the team, the Brewers' current manager, Craig Council. And that is our Brewers' all-time roster. It's been a fun time 
going through this over the last couple of months. A lot of fun, fun names, good memories, players from 80s, even a few in the 90s and early 2000s. And of course, many recent players as well, Braun, Hader, Jeffress, uh, even some of those more familiar names. Um, any final thoughts here, David, before we move on? Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to see how this roster would look against some other franchises' all-time rosters. The Brewers do have the disadvantage of only being around for about 50 years compared to some of the teams that have been around for almost a century and a half. But I, I do think this is a, a roster that can hit with really any roster, but the pitching might be a little light. Might have to depend on the bullpen a little bit more. Uh, but if we've got Craig Council as our manager, I think we'll be okay with that, especially if fingers can lock down those three inning saves. Uh, so I'd, I'd be right. kind of curious to see it compared to some of the other, the other franchises, especially the ones that have been around for around as long as the Brewers have. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we can get three good innings out of Ben Sheets, and then we throw Josh Hader for two. Um, you can throw in Please Act for an inning or two, Jeffress or Axford for an inning or two, and then throw fingers uh, in if you want to throw you know Hader in the uh, in that uh, swingman role that he used to be. And I know now, obviously, he would be the closer, um, and we do have him listed as the closer. But still, uh, it it would be a very uh, bullpen dependent team. But like you said, Craig Council would have no issues doing that. So anyways, had a blast doing that. Hope you guys enjoyed that fun segment. Uh, maybe we'll review that in a couple of years, see if we have any new additions to the team. Uh, but David, we talked about our Brewers non-roster invitee draft. Can you share a little bit of the parameters around this? So we're going to be so taking, a, be look taking a look at some of the Brewers minor league signings of the offseason. They primarily are players that uh, will be in major league camp whenever spring training uh, begins. But a few of them are guys who uh, we could see on the Brewers at some point this year, though they will not be in Major League Camp. So we've got about 15 players. Peter and I are going to take turns drafting them. And at the end of the season, we will reconvene. And the winner is, is the player on the player his team who has his... more combined batters faced by pitcher and plate appearances by a hitter. A hitter. So really so playing really time playing is going to be uh, what the main the main objective is for drafting. Uh, there, there's no need to create like a roster. You don't need to have a catcher and four infielders and three outfielders. Uh, just strictly drafting uh, the players who are going to accumulate the highest numbers. So we're going to be drafting uh, all of them. Not a whole lot of players that the Brewers have under contract uh, to minor league deals this offseason. But we are going to give Peter the first pick. And I guess, do you want to do... Uh, we could snake the draft. We could go just, you go one, I go one, you go one, I go one. Do you have a preference, Peter? Uh, in, in, in order to give myself an advantage, let's just go every other. Okay, sounds good. You might need every advantage that you can <laughs> exactly. have uh, in this draft. So uh, let's get it started. Let's go ahead and uh, position players and pitchers, both of them. Uh, you can pick either of them uh, concurrently. Um, uh, and they'll all be part of the draft. So... Peter, I guess you are now on the clock with your first pick. Where's the uh, Where's the draft music? I need. I really don't feel like I'm in a draft unless I've got the draft music or the fantasy baseball uh, uh, music. But yeah, I'll, well, I'll do my best. I'll try. Maybe Maybe I can uh, go and edit in some crowd noise, booing Rob Manfred walking to the stage. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, so, yeah. There's got to be a way to do that. Yeah, I I'm not sure if that's one of the presets to add in a uh, the editing stage of the podcast. Um, I don't know if I've used that, if I've edited that in, but 
Uh, might have to do that. But who are you going to select with your first pick, Peter? Yeah, I think there's a pretty clear number one pick here out of the 15 players we've got of the non-roster players. Former All-Star, uh, That this is the only player that we can say that is the case. A lot of these players, uh, less known, lesser known, uh, a lot of minor league playing time, indie ball, those types of things. Former All-Star, and not that long ago, 2019 All-Star, David Dahl. Former Rocky, um, played with the Rockies from 2016 to 2020. Um, had some success with them, especially from 2016 to 2019. 2020 fell off a cliff, um, was, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say it's unhittable or unplayable, but 180, or excuse me, a 183 batting average. Again, that shortened season, just 99 plate appearances, um, but then headed over to Texas for hopefully a 2021 rebounding season, which was not exactly that. Um, rebounded a little bit, but a 56 OPS plus, uh, significantly below average. Again, they average being 100 uh, for that OPS plus mark. So significantly below average. And especially for a guy who's outfielder and DH, uh, you, you can't have that. So he, he looks to be uh, outfield depth for the Brewers. Of course, the Brewers with Yelich, Kane, Hunter Renfro. Um, Tyrone Taylor has proven himself a little bit as well in, with the showing that he had last year. So I see David Dahl uh, coming in behind Tyrone Taylor. But if we do see an injury or two, which is, of course, always possible, you think about the age of Lorenzo Kane. Yelich, of course, has, hit, has, hit, has had his fair share of injuries excuse me, um, and you just never know what's going to go on in a season. So I'm going to go with David Dahl. Um, there's, you know, some upside definitely with the numbers that we've seen him put up, um, and we'll see if he can rebound after a tough 2020 and 2021. Yeah, that would have been my pick with the number one overall selection. He also hit 347 last year in 40 games uh, in the minor league, so pretty successful. He made some good adjustments, I heard, at AAA Nashville with the Brewers. So probably fifth on the depth chart among outfielders right now. And we could get a good look at him. Uh, definitely someone who's one of the more interesting players, players available, available for us to draft. So David Dahl is off the board with the number one pick. I have the number two selection. And with that pick, I'm going to be taking Hobie Harris. He's someone with a little bit less uh, notoriety than David Dahl. Hasn't actually played in the majors at all. And he's 28 years old already. But he's had some good success in the minor leagues last year. Triple-A Buffalo with the Blue Jays organization, a 3.92 ERA in 43 innings. He struck out over 10 batters per nine out of the bullpen. He's topped out at about 99 miles an hour. Um, and he's a, a someone who's had a, an interesting journey, but somebody that the Brewers will certainly give a good look at. We've seen a number of those guys recently, Justin Topa, Jake Cousins. Uh, guys that have ha kind of had those long winding journeys through the minors. Harris never went to indie ball, but he's been uh, around the block a couple times and played with virtually every player in the Yankees organization, I would imagine, across as many years. He also has gained, I think, 10 miles an hour since he uh, was a junior college prospect. So props to him uh, for sticking with it over the last nine years. My first pick is going to be right-handed relief pitcher Hobie Harris. I think that's a good pick. I like the upside with, with good old Hobie Harris. I'd love to see Hobie Milner and Hobie Harris in the same bullpen. I, I would imagine that would be the first time we'd have two Hobies in the same bullpen. I'm not sure that'll happen, but I certainly will be rooting for it this year. That would so be uh, for, probably a first. 
but might have to <laughs> might have to do a little bit of research to see. I would guess that Hobie Milner is probably the only Hobie in Major League history. So Hobie Harris certainly looking to, uh, I guess, follow the path that Hobie Milner uh, blazed for him. <laughs> That's what every every uh, every little leaguer's dream, right? Follow the, the path of of Hobie Milner. So I would love uh, to with, follow the path of Hobie Milner <laughs> with uh, a good good second pick. I like I like uh, Harris. I'm interested to see. He's got some upside with the Brewers, like you said. The uh, Jake Cousins comparison type. I'm actually going to go with the number three pick and also take a 28 year old relief pitcher, and his name is Jason Alexander. He was drafted out of an NAIA school after playing six years there. Um, he has also been around the block, uh, started his professional career, uh, looks like in 2017, and has been across you know, many different teams from rookie ball all the way to AAA. In 2021, he had a, a pretty good year in AAA, a 1.84 ERA. Um, he's more or less been a starter, but uh, with the Brewers rotation that they have, uh, he more likely fits in as a reliever. I'm not sure if he'll if he'll see some time with the Brewers or not, uh, but he has looked pretty good. And if he gets an opportunity, I think there's a shot. Good sinker uh, and Vulcan changeup, which you don't see too often um, as well from from Alexander. So we'll see what he's able to put up. I think he's got a shot at uh, maybe making some time into the bullpen. Uh, it maybe is a little bit easier as well to get some innings out of the bullpen as opposed to getting some starts, you know, on a team that's already got a pretty um, pretty uh, good roster as far as the position players go. Yeah, somebody who's got an interesting repertoire. I don't really see the sinker-Vulcan change combination. The Vulcan change I've read can sometimes play like a uh, almost a fork ball, uh, at least Alexander's rendition of the, uh, the Vulcan change. But he's a, an interesting guy, um, an, interesting, an interesting name to watch. And somebody who uh, is kind of his, his funky, unique style could end up maybe giving him a, another chance with the Brewers uh, and had uh, some success at the upper levels of the minor leagues with the Marlins last year. Uh, and another reliever off the board in Jason Alexander. With my next pick, I'm going to select another former Rocky, and that would be Rex Brothers. He's someone who's had a good amount of time in the major leagues, debuted in 2011 and across parts of nine years in the big leagues, a 408 ERA, 322 innings and uh, 21 saves. He's got good stuff, fastball slider, um, struck out almost 13 batters per nine last year in 53 innings with the Cubs, but the walks have always been the issue, walked almost six batters per nine. Uh, and that's a number that's realistically a little bit too high to be a dependable reliever at least in the Brewers bullpen the Brewers certainly will try to uh try to correct that a little bit see if they can maybe uh find some things that work for him as far as command in his best years in Colorado uh, he was more around the four and a half walks per nine range which is a little bit more manageable for a reliever who's striking out more than a batter per inning I think the Brewers might give uh, Rex Brothers a look as uh, left-handed reliever, maybe more of a left-handed specialist. Um, we've talked about uh, Hobie Milner as as a he's a more of a left-handed specialist. They've got Suter in the pen, but perhaps one of them goes down with an injury. Rex Brothers, someone I could see pitching well uh, for the Brewers in AAA. He's also from the Nashville area, so potentially something that drew him to signing with the Brewers with their uh, with their AAA facility uh, being our triple a team being in nashville yeah i think he he has some potential with of course 
anytime you're throwing, throwing gas, like he does, you've got the potential and even think about uh, maybe a similar or at least closest comparison to the non-roster invitees this year compared to last year would be broad Brad Boxberger. I think we all forget he was a non-roster invitee last year, no expectations for what he was going to do with the Brewers course ended up being basically that seventh inning guy for the Brewers uh, setting it up for Williams and Hayter. So I'm not saying that to, you know, to make the comparison to say that uh, Rex brothers is going to have the year Boxberger's had last year, but there's definitely some potential and I see some similarities uh, between uh, both Boxberger and brothers. Certainly. Um, so with- I just one last thing about brothers. Uh, he has, he's allowed over his career, only a 214 average and a 321 slugging against left-handed batters. So uh, that there is a niche that brothers has uh, where you kind of, you kind of need to have a niche, something that you do really well, whether it's a certain pitch, uh, whether it's getting certain hitters out, um, or in this case, getting lefties out particularly well for brothers. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that fitting into the pen as well, like you said. Uh, with the next pick, I'm going to go with a former Astro first baseman, Tyler White. Um, Tyler White had a, he had a good year with the Astros, a good maybe half year with the Astros a couple years back. Um, has sort of been inconsistent. Um, he's also been with, um, after after leaving the Astros, um, he's also been with uh, the Dodgers um, briefly in 2019. Um, also spent some time with Toronto in AAA. Um, put up okay numbers, or pretty good numbers last year in AAA with the Blue Jays. Um, and like I said, had a, had a pretty good year or two with the Astros where he was decent. Uh, Brewers are also the most thin, I would say, at first base compared to any position uh, on the team, really. Uh, of course, Rowdy Telez returning at that first base position who looks to get a fair amount of the number of at-bats. But after that, you've got Keston Hira, Jace Peterson, Brett Sullivan. Um, still a question mark over at first, and it's certainly possible the Brewers make a move and bring someone else in. I'm, I'm hoping that Tyler White is not uh, the Brewers' expectation as far as who might be a second or third string first baseman. Um, but I do see some potential for him to get plate appearances, which uh, I guess at the end of the day is is what we're voting or what we're uh, selecting players for. So with that, I will be selecting Tyler White. Yeah, White's somebody who's got the advantage of uh, having the the opposite platoon side of Rowdy Telez. Uh, he actually kind of has an interesting path to playing time. Last year, AAA Buffalo uh, split time for a little bit down there with Rowdy at first base, and then he follows Rowdy to first base and has to outplay him once again for playing time. Uh, also on that roster included Hobie Harris and uh, John Axford as well, all teammates together on that team in uh, AAA Buffalo. But Tyler White, somebody who hasn't had success at the major leagues in a few years, but somebody who he had a good year in AAA last year, over 400 on base and potentially could be someone who could fit into the Brewers' plans, even maybe just as a bench bat. Um, so Tyler White, uh, pretty good pick with your third selection. I am going to go back to the pitching side of things. Um, I guess I see more of an opportunity as far as the relief pitchers. And I'm going to pick Connor Sadzak. He's somebody who has been in the major leagues a little bit with Texas and Seattle. 2019 with Seattle, he had 23 innings that he threw, and he struck out over 10 batters per nine, uh, but he did walk close to six. We talked about Rex Brothers having some command issues. Sadzek's another one of those guys, actually a native of Northern Illinois, and played for the Hitters um, Hitters Academy down in Racine. Six foot seven also, 
uh, bigger guy, and he is, he has got a good slider. Uh, he's gotten good results off of the slider in the past in the majors, and his slider sits at around 90 miles an hour. Uh, otherwise, got a four seamer. He throws the the slider over 50 percent of the time. Um, he's someone who'll be interesting. Uh, the Brewers had him a little bit in their organization last year, uh, and could be another guy in the bullpen, uh, kind of a Jake Cousins type, a little bit more more dependent on the slider. Uh, so we will see if Connor Sadzak could break into the Brewers bullpen at some point this year, but he is going to be my third pick. I'm going to follow that up with another pitcher in Trevor Kelly, a little bit less exciting than Connor Sadzak. Like you said, Sadzak got the 90 mile an hour slider, got pretty good stuff. Um, Trevor Kelly, a little bit of a, a safer pick. He's been in the major leagues, uh, both in 2019 and 2020, 19 with Boston, and then in 2020 with Philadelphia. Um, didn't exactly pitch great in either situation. Uh, total of 11 and two-thirds innings in the bigs between 19 and 20, ERA in the nines. So hasn't been exactly outstanding, not a, uh, a very exciting pick. But at the same time, um, could see him potentially playing a, you know, a sort of cleanup role in the bullpen, maybe a Han Yandel Gustave-type-esque role, um, depending on what we see as far as injuries and performance in the bullpen. Uh, baseball Reference has him projected for a 4.5 ERA across 26 innings in the major leagues, whether that's going to be with the Brewers or someone else, or if that will be even close to accurate is yet to be seen. But I'll go with a, a boring safe pick here following up Sadzak with Trevor Kelly. Yeah, had a lot of success yeah, last year at Triple A Gwinnett. Somebody who uh, we talked about having that niche, especially as a non-roster player. Maybe he has that a little bit less, but uh, there still is going to be the need for depth. And he's someone that certainly could play into the Brewers' uh, plans in 2022 if uh, a number of guys go down with injury or if he performs well at Triple A Nashville. Trevor Kelly Trevor off the board. I'm going to take my first position player with my next pick, and it is going to be another former big leaguer, Abraham Almonte. Almonte has seen time in the big leagues for a while, overall, actually nine years uh, consecutively. I guess he he has he's at least appeared in uh, at least seven games in every year since 2013. Uh, so nobody else on the list could say that. Um, and he hasn't had a lot of success. He's hit 234, 302 on base percentage, but uh, kind of a classic 4A outfielder. So he'll probably get called probably up get as called depth up when as uh, when there are enough injuries or when players are underperforming. Um, baseball reference projects him for just a 226 average and a, a slugging of 389. So not very high expectations for him, but I guess all that matters is that he gets plate appearances. That's all we're really counting. We're not counting war or anything. Uh, and last year with the Braves, he played actually 64 games before they acquired some of the other outfielders. And in 19 games in AAA, he hit 403. So um, at least he has had success at AAA and um, could factor into the Brewers' plans as maybe slotting in behind David Dahl, probably right alongside Corey Ray on the uh, outfield depth chart. Abraham Almonte with my fourth pick. I have to wince a little bit to hear the uh, Abraham Almonte might be in front of Corey Ray, our uh, top five pick um, years back. But uh, I guess it's just a, a reality uh, of, of how far Ray has slipped, unfortunately. So 
Um, David, there you go. You got your first uh, position player. Clearly, uh, I see your strategy. And I think that there is probably more opportunity in the bullpen. You see uh, so many guys come in and out. Uh, we took that uh, um, quiz. I, tell me again what the website is where we take those quizzes with the rosters. Sporkle. Yeah, Sporkle. So we took the uh, – for, for you diehard fans, I'd recommend going on Sporkle and doing a Brewers 2021 roster quiz. Try to list – try to type out every single player that played for the Brewers in 2021. You will be shocked about uh, some of the names there. It's so – it's crazy how fast we forget, you know, all of the different – I mean, we had conversations about um, yeah, outfield platoons and all sorts of random, random players that you absolutely forgot um, played for the Brewers. Yeah. Also, I wanted to interrupt our draft. Uh, we got a quick, quick break from the draft. I did some research on players with the first name Hobie, and I made the incorrect assumption that Hobie Milner is the only major leaguer named Hobie Mil or Hobie. Uh, Hobie Landreth was a catcher in between 1950 and 1963. 772 games. Uh, he hit 233 and um, was just kind of had an unremarkable career. More of a, a glove first guy, catch and throw. Um, but he, he, his real name is Hobart, but he went by Hobie, H-O-B-I-E. Uh, so uh, not the same spelling as Hobie Milner, but he is a Hobie nonetheless. So I guess Hobie Milner, unfortunately, not the first Hobie in, uh, in Major League Baseball. It would be the first uh, pair of Hobies on the same team, which I guess that would is be. True. Yeah, I, I mean, I would, I would expect that. I would expect uh, that to be shown uh, if, if they do appear in the same game. That's definitely got to be one of those random stats they throw up there that first first time two Hobies have appeared in the same game or like something even more bizarre. First time two Hobies have pitched in the same game and allowed a walk or something. You know, yeah. they always come up with these bizarre stats. Well, Tops always makes those cards where they're like the duo. So they'll put like two prospects on it or two rookies that play the same position. I want to see a, a Hobie and Hobie card, Hobie Milner and Hobie Harris. Uh, that, That'd that's, be good. that's the card that I'm looking for. Uh, maybe I can get both to sign it at some point. Yeah, that uh, that would be a good one. If I ever if I come across that, I'll I'll trade that to you for your uh, trout rookie card. Sounds okay. Good. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Uh, so, it, but I mean, with the autographs of of Milner and Harris, that might that might be even. That's true. Probably if both of them both of them both of them sign it, it has to be about even. Uh, so so with that brief interruption, let's uh, let's jump back into. The draft. I've got another boring and non-exciting draft pick. Utility infielder, a name that many of you will know, Mark Mathias. Mathias appeared with the Brewers at the major league level in 2020. Um, had about 36 um, at bats that year. 278 batting average, 639 OPS, uh, 70 OPS plus. You know he's not going to be a big hitter. He's somebody that's very versatile. Can play all around the field. Baseball Reference also has his position listed. Um, as right fielder and then secondly pinch hitter, which is what probably my favorite position. Um, but uh, it's hard to say that he's necessarily a pinch hitter, more so a pinch fielder um, who is able to be used um, as needed by Craig Council. Uh, somebody that I could see potentially getting in playing time really just depending on injuries. Of course, Brewers have Jace Peterson already who fits the script and does so with a much better um, offensive clip than Matthias. So if we see injuries come down, it's possible that Matthias gets the nod to make some appearances either late in games uh, for defensive flexibility or, or even a spot start here or there. So Mark Matthias is going to be my fifth overall pick. 
Yeah, you mentioned the pinch hitter position. And speaking of baseball cards earlier, do you remember that Lloyd McClendon card from 30 years ago where it just said absolutely pinch hitter? Yep. Yep. And I don't know what position Lloyd McClendon actually played. Uh, Same Lloyd McClendon who later managed the Pirates and the Mariners, but uh, he was listed as a pinch hitter. And I, I don't really think he was a I don't think he was a really particularly good hitter. So um, perhaps he just didn't really have a position and they figured they'd put that because if there's one thing that a position player can do, I mean, every position player could pinch hit. Um, but yeah, Matthias also listed at 200 pounds on baseball reference. I find that a little bit hard to believe. Uh, seems a little bit smaller than that. But I'm going to go with somebody who actually competed for playing time alongside Matthias in the Indians organization for a little bit. And that would be Andrew Monasterio. Somebody that the Brewers signed recently, um, a non-roster invite. Uh, he had a good amount of success last year in the Indians organization. Double A Akron, uh, 291 average, 365 slugging. Then went to Triple A and he actually hit 279 still and upped his on-base percentage by about 20 points to 385. He's a utility infielder, uh, played second, short, and third some last year. And kind of unremarkable, but he is only 20, uh, 24, going to his age 25 season this upcoming year. So he's somebody that maybe has a little bit more upside than someone of the ilk of uh, Matthias. So Andrew Monasterio, a name that, to be honest, before I was uh, looking over the Brewers minor league free agent signings, I had never heard of this guy. But he actually has had a pretty good minor league career up to this point, and somebody who doesn't have much power, more of an on-base guy and some defensive versatility, but um, decent depth for the Brewers in the uh, infield position. Yeah, I mean, really, at this point, we're getting to a lot of depth guys who more than likely will probably not make an appearance in the major leagues and will fit more in double and triple A. Uh, probably a guy who fits that mold as well will be my next pick, Garrett, excuse me, Garrett Whitley, former Rays. Uh, Whitley is an outfielder. Um, age 24, so he's still a little bit younger than some of these other players, uh, but has played professionally since 2015. Uh, again, last year in uh, AAA and AA for the Rays, had an 880 OPS in AA. Um, he was demoted, unfortunately, from AAA to AA, um, so I guess you can uh, take that with a grain of salt. But we've got another player who had a very similar path last year in the bullpen as well, I know. Um, but Garrett Whitley, Pretty good speed, decent defender at left field. I'm not sure that he's necessarily a, a full-time outfielder at the major league level. Uh, maybe a Logan Schaefer-esque outfielder, uh, which may or may not bring back uh, memories if you are aware of his brief career with the Brewers. But with the number six pick, I will be selecting Garrett Whitley. I'm going to go with the pitcher once again, Moises Gomez. This is somebody who actually won't even be in big league camp. Uh, but signed a deal with the Brewers recently. Last year in AA, Arkansas with the Mariners, had a 1.23 ERA across about 30 innings. Was a little bit less successful upon his promotion to AAA Tacoma, um, but still somebody that maybe there's a little bit of upside. Had some success at the, uh, at the minor league level and has had some success throughout his minor league career. 3.09 ERA across seven seasons uh, at various levels. Moises Gomez is uh, my next pick a relief pitcher. I'm going to follow that with another relief pitcher. I believe that may be our last pitcher on the board, actually, um, with the selection, which will be Arnaldo Hernandez. Again, not exactly a household name 
um, but has been with the Royals farm system. Um, he's been in he's been in Mexico, really been all over Arizona uh, Fall League as well. But 2011-2012, uh, um, he was in the Mexican League um, independent ball. Brewers uh, taking away, uh, yeah, I guess buying a lottery ticket, maybe uh, you could call it on Arnaldo Hernandez. Has had a seven-year pro career, fastball, changeup, curveball. Um, and he was also, uh, again, in indie ball last year, formerly in the Royals farm system. Uh, not exactly high hopes for his 2022 season, um, but taking a flyer on Arnaldo Hernandez. Yeah, I wouldn't be too confident about his his opportunities with the Brewers, considering he may be seventh on the depth chart of non-roster signees this offseason. But uh, you never know with pitchers. They can uh, come back adding a couple miles an hour on their fastballs or um, maybe they they were working on their command and now they're able to throw the ball over the plate a little bit better. Arnaldo Hernandez, our last pitcher of the day. I'm going to go over to an interesting guy. We talked about former first baseman Tyler White from the Astros and John Singleton, a guy who was even more highly heralded than, than White coming out of the Astros farm system. Somebody that signed a, an extension worth about $30 million before he even played a major league game. Singleton hit 171 across two years with the Astros and kind of fizzled out, had uh, a couple of marijuana suspensions and I was out of baseball by 2017. He hit just 205 in double A that year. Astros seemingly wanting to move on from him. Not sure what he did between 2017 and 2021, other than get in shape, a, a slimmed down version of John Singleton ended up reappearing uh, for the Diablos Rojos del Mexico in the Mexican league. Um, or in a Mexican league, I guess, to be honest. I don't know which Mexican league it was, but he looked very good. He had an on-base percentage over 500, slugged almost 700, and hit 321, and with a, with good defense at first base. So John Singleton, I guess, is, is, is looking better than ever. He's in the best shape of his life heading into spring training. He's somebody that won't be in big league camp, but um, could probably will be in double A, maybe triple A with the crew, and if these uh, physical adjustments that he made with his body getting in better shape and uh, some of the maybe the, the hitting adjustments he made last year in Mexico proved to be the real deal, we could see maybe uh, at least some production at the major league level out of Singleton. Can I get a, a Pablo Sandoval comparison there coming back, making a comeback, slim down? You know, you always heard the Pablo Sandoval slim down at coming back spring training. Power bat, obviously Sandoval had a, a more established, good career and has pretty had a, had a pretty good, a pretty successful comeback as well. But uh, that's at least a player that comes to mind for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, as far as the best shape of his life in uh, spring training, uh, Pablo Sandoval is synonymous with that phrase now. Yeah, absolutely. Right, so so the final two, final two players to go here, uh, I will be selecting my final pick, and that'll be Jackson Reitz. Uh, his first position listed on baseball reference being that our favorite pinch hitter. Uh, but Reitz, primarily a catcher, was after, actually drafted in the third round of the 2014 draft by the Nationals. He is 26 years old, made his major league appearance uh, last year with them, basically had been with been with Washington from 2014 all the way through 2021, um, worked his way up into the major leagues. Uh, last year had a 500 batting average going up one for two um, at a 1.5 OPS. So strong numbers from him last year. Uh, seems to be uh, several spots down on the depth chart with the Brewers 
existing catchers. Of course, Narvaez coming back being the main catcher. Um, I don't see him getting a lot of playing time unless we see several injuries or major changes to the Brewers roster, but uh, we'll take a flyer on Jackson Reeds. It, it is interesting to note that baseball reference projections have him getting 179 at-bats in 2022, so uh, at a 250 batting average as well. So they're actually seeing uh, relatively decent numbers from him. I'm, I'm not sure if that's under the assumption that he'd be in AAA, um, but likely Jackson Reeds will be spending time in the minor leagues if for some off chance Unfortunately, he does have to appear for several games for the Brewers. Um, I will be benefiting from that with my eighth and final pick again, Jackson Reeds. Yeah, he is uh, headed in as the fifth string catcher, I believe. Um, and actually those baseball reference projection you bring up. So those are actually based off, I think, off of exclusively major league stats. So I think that they just assign a plate amount of plate appearances to him kind of randomly if they're a backup. So, um, so I mean, if he does hit 251, great. Uh, that would be a great addition for the Brewers on a minor league deal. Um, but uh, according to baseball reference, they're, uh, they say that there's a 99% regression to the mean on their projection form. So I guess the computer model not too optimistic about their projection for REITs. And Mr. Irrelevant, my last pick, uh, as, as is often called in the pro sports drafts, is going to be Actually, somebody who appeared in the majors with the Blue Jays in 2020 and 2019 and 18, Jonathan Davis. Um, he actually, uh, I guess I, I, I failed to realize, he actually was there in 2021 as well, but he hit just 126. So not a guy known for his bat. Um, in uh, eight minor league seasons, he uh, hit just 256 uh, with minimal power, uh, but he's still in 119 bags. Known for his speed, pretty good speed, good defense in the outfield. Uh, kind of your classic backup outfielder, maybe a, a depth option that can play some uh, decent defense, run the bases a little bit, and not really provide or produce with the bat. Um, so kind of buried on the depth chart of outfielders. I would believe that he's definitely behind Corey Ray, uh, behind some of the guys we drafted earlier, um, or – uh, at least David Dolan, Abraham Almonte, a fellow uh, former major league and Brewers minor league signings. But Jonathan Davis is going to be my last pick, Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, just want to briefly go over our teams. So it, it doesn't matter. The position's just a, an accumulation of plate appearances for hitters plus batters face for pitchers. Peter, your roster, your David, roster Dahl, David. David, excuse me, David Dahl, Jason Alexander, Tyler White, Trevor Kelly, Mark Mathias, Garrett Whitley, Arnaldo Hernandez, and Jackson Reitz. With my roster, Hobie Harris, Rex Brothers, Connor Sadzak, Abraham Almonte, Andrew Monasterio, Moisas Gomez, John Singleton, and Jonathan Davis. We'll see who's able to win this, uh, this extremely contested battle. Um, might have to look at their projections. He was projected for more uh, combined plate appearances and batters face seat. I mean, it, it really probably will come down to like one player who who ended up getting a lot of uh, a lot of plate appearances or batters facing back to last year. Probably whoever would have drafted Brad Boxberger would have won. Um, maybe if the other team had Jake Cousins, um, but either way, uh, could end up being that that comes down to really just one player in the end. So those are our teams we'll see at the end of the year. We'll reconvene, see who ends up winning that. Just a little bit of news on the Brewers' front. The Brewers added former Phillies GM Matt Klentak to their front office as a special assistant. Uh, he was there. I think he got fired in 2020, if I recall correctly. 
um, before they brought on Dave Dombrowski uh, as their uh, president of baseball ops and didn't have a very successful tenure in Philadelphia. But anytime you got the opportunity to add a former GM to your to your uh, front office, um, usually they don't pass up on that opportunity. Certainly the Brewers seeming like a, a desirable organization to work for. And David Stearns, Matt Arnold, two of the very best in the organization or and two of the best around the league. So Matt Klentak, Klentak taking a job with the Brewers, uh, just, I guess, kind of noteworthy in an offseason that has very little noteworthy news. Yeah, I, I think you summed it up well. Anytime you get the chance to bring on a former GM in that special assistant role, they should, should definitely take it. And I think it does also speak to the Brewers' strength as far as the organization goes and being a place that people want to play at and also want to manage – um, or work for. So I think it speaks highly of Stearns, Arnold, and the Brewers organization to be able to bring in Klentech. Obviously, as an outsider, as a fan, we don't know what kind of impact he'll have, um, but certainly probably shouldn't hurt for the Brewers. Um, and like you said, that's, uh, that's big news nowadays for the Brewers and rest of, rest of baseball. So David, before we close off today, what is, oh, actually, I'm about to ask you the trivia question. I've got the trivia question here today. So what is today's trivia question? It is what Brewers player became the first with a surname beginning with the letter U. <laughs> Where do you come up with these questions? <laughs> this is courtesy of the Brewer's Box Calendar. So uh, if anybody else has the box calendar, you may see a trivia question or two sprinkled in here. Um, shout out to my relative who gave that to me. Um, I'm forgetting at the moment who, who gave that to me for Christmas. But we'll have a, a spattering of those questions mixed in. Uh, so if you do have the calendar, you'll be a little bit ahead and you'll, you'll feel a lot smarter than, than David and Chad with the answer for this. The letter U? I don't need, I mean, so I was thinking about this. I mean, you gave me the question in advance, but um, the only player I could come up with is Luis Urias, who uh, you specified. I don't know if you, I don't know if you said it to our listeners, but 1995 being the debut year of this player, this um you surname player um, <laughs> and uh my knowledge of the 1995 brewers is a little bit subpar you know i i thought i was thinking if you made it letter v we get fernando vina yeah that one might be a little bit more doable but you really stumped me on this one i'm not sure my if, if you just said who became the first player with the letter u i probably would have just guessed luis urias that's a, that's a fair guess that would have been that would have been a, a solid guess I'm not even sure how many players uh, since this uh, illustrious player have uh, sported the U surname. So our answer to today's trivia question and uh, so sort of serving as a bit of a random player of the day as well is Tim Unruh, uh, a career 0.4 wins above replacement, 95 at-bats, played with the Brewers 95 through 97 before spending a year in Anaheim and a year in Atlanta, closing out his five-year major league career. Uh, nothing, nothing too special. An OPS plus of 29 in 95, 40 in 96, um, and then just 16 at bats in, in 97. Well, really, all of those years having less than 20 at bats with the Brewers. So, not exactly a, a big name player in Tim Monroe, first baseman, outfielder, and third baseman. Uh, but uh, that is the answer to today's trivia question. I just had to make sure I, I it's been a while since uh, I gave you a trivia question. I had to make sure I got you back and uh, made sure you didn't get that right. Yeah, I guess I am a little bit lacking in my uh, knowledge of Brewers' uh, defensive replacements. It's from 20, what, 27 years ago. 
Um, yeah. He, uh, he had more games than plate appearances with the Brewers. So um, must have been a good defender, I guess. He's got a nice mustache, too. Peak 90. That's true. Tim Unrow and, and a, a former D2 player at Lewis University. On, uh, yeah. Somebody from Illinois. So coming um, up, coming up from um, in uh, from that D two school, I, I would imagine that mustache was at least a sixty grade mustache. Um, probably, if nothing else. yeah, probably. Um, and yeah, I, I there's just really nothing else to say about Tim Monroe. <laughs> I guess we've kind of exhausted everything that we could possibly say about his career. Um, but he does have that notoriety. Well, now whenever I see and meet someone with the U surname, surname starting with the U, <laughs> I will think of Tim Unrow. So thank you for that trivia question, Peter. Absolutely. That was that was a good one. Tim Unrow, again, the answer to today's trivia question. First player in Brewers history with the last name starting with the letter U. That happening in 1995 as a defensive replacement for the Brewers. So, David, as we wrap up today, uh, again, we went through our all-time roster um, had a fun time going through that 25-man team. And then also went through our non-roster invitee draft. We'll see. Uh, a lot at stake here. Uh, but we'll see who who wins that by the end of the season, assuming we have a regular season um, in 2022 with the with the uh, lockout currently happening. Um, and again, David mentioning the Matt Clentak news as the Brewers add him. And then looking forward to what we have ahead. We've got – we'll be having a guest come on shortly here, breaking down the pre-lockout moves. I know it's been a while. Um, but if you recall, Max Scherzer is now on the Mets um, and many other big moves around all of baseball. Um, so we'll be breaking down some of those moves, the impacts on baseball, and also the impact on the Brewers and the NL Central as they look to win that 2022 division title and more um, next year. And we'll also be breaking down Hall of Fame choices, uh, which should be a fun one. I hear there's a, a, a lot of Barry Bonds conversation that may be coming. Um, so I'm excited for that. Stay tuned to to hear the debate on whether Barry Bonds should be Cooperstown bound or not uh, as we bring him on uh, coming up. So David, any final thoughts here before we go today? Yeah, one of the interesting things that I'll be looking for in the Hall of Fame ballot is whether Prince Fielder gets enough votes to stay on the ballot if he exceeds that 5% threshold. I don't think he will ever make the Hall of Fame, but it'll be interesting to see if he gets a nice look at the Hall of Fame. Um, and He's somebody who was one of the best uh, best power hitting, um, especially first baseman, but just power hitters of his era. Uh, short career, probably not a Hall of Famer, but um, could garner a few votes. Yeah, I would imagine he'll he'll stick around at least uh, a couple of years getting that 5% mark. I, I agree. I personally would not vote for him, even though enjoyed watching him. Uh, but we'll see how Fielder fares on that ballot, which should be coming out shortly. So as we wrap up today, uh, again, we'll be bringing on a guest in a future episode to take a look at the pre-lockout moves and have a Hall of Fame debate. But with that, we will close. As always, go Brewers. Thank you for listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review our show on whichever platform you're listening on. If you enjoyed it, consider supporting us through the link down below. See you next time.